Okay, so you know, the only thing in this room that is not unpredictable is God. <laughs> and uh, there's also a little bit of an irony in things kind of stopping um, the unexpected. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm Chris Carpus. I'm one of the elders here, and um, I'm really pleased to be able to talk to you today. The message, bottom line, that I've kind of toyed with all week, uh, kind of fluctuated between um, life lessons from a one-year-old to God has power over life and death, and be glad that he does. I stuck with that. And you know, God actually has power over uh, technology, too. <laughs> so uh, we're going to uh, kind of discuss a little bit of what happened last year, about this time, July 2020. Some of you were here. Some of you weren't. Uh, some of you, I think that might have been your first day when um, Amy and I talked about it. But uh, I'm going to begin with just praying because that's uh, it, it's kind of senseless to uh, to start this without it so lord we thank you we thank you for this day that you've given us we thank you lord that we can call you our father and that you're good and we can be grateful that you're good because you're great and lord we are so grateful that you have power over life and death and we're so glad and we love you and we, we give you this time pray lord that the words that come out of my mouth Glorify you that I get out of the way. You too. We lift all this up in Jesus' name. He heard that. We'll start with James 4, 13 through 15. Kate read it. I'm going to read it again. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So I do have a picture to show you, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. All right. See me after church. I'll show you individually. No, there it is. <laughs> All right. In um, on July 27th, love last year. It's the the day we were putting in the blessing box, um, which we've been really blessed to to bless a lot of the community with. Bring food. Um, I looked at the time stamp on this picture, and it was about 11:45, and um, within. 20 minutes, I was dead on my floor in the living room. And Amy and Sam were giving me CPR. And my, I had a sudden cardiac arrest. I was gone. I don't remember this picture t being taken. I don't remember that day. And um, honestly, I don't remember much of the day before that. Um, I was gone. So that's why James 4 kind of jumped out at me. It's not that we don't make plans, but the plans. So um, Amy and uh, the family 
called 911. Took five minutes for them to answer the phone. And um, Amy and Sam were fighting for me. About 20 minutes later, the um, EMS showed up. And they gave me, um, I think, seven shots of epinephrine. And they shocked me seven times, six times. By the way, that's why we have a defibrillator in the lobby now. They did get my heart beating and got me on an ambulance. And they went off to the hospital. When they got to the hospital, they got out. And um, one of the the... EMS workers told Amy that my heart stopped again in the the ambulance and that she should prepare herself. Um, So it was in the the, uh, ER on a ventilator and the doctor, what do they call it, intensivist, she came in and did some neurological tests on me and, and I failed all of them. They're involuntary, you can't fake these things. Um, I failed them all. By that time, I had been down without oxygen to my brain for 48 minutes. Um, I was gone. And she, uh, she came into the, the waiting room where my family was praying. And I think Doris and <laughs> you were also in there, weren't you? If you want to get in a hospital that's locked down, I recommend contacting Doris or Jackie. <laughs> it was locked down. They're like a mist. They just kind of anyway. Um, <laughs> there's anyway. Um, so my family is praying in the uh, waiting room, and and I was down. Um, Doctor came into the, the waiting room and told them that uh, given the time, how long I was down, and the fact that I failed every single neurological test, that um, I was brain dead, and there was no hope. Um, a short while later, now, I'm also relaying a story that uh, had to be relayed to me, okay, <laughs> because um, I wasn't there. So someone came in and, and said you can come in to see him for two minutes and, and um, Amy thought it was to say goodbye and, um, and so as she left the, the waiting room uh, my kids prayed God wake him up when mom goes in there now that's a pretty bold prayer right I mean <laughs> wake him up when mom goes in there. And so um, Amy came in the room and I started moving. I I was trying to get up. Um, I was still unconscious, but um, she recognized very fast that I was moving around like someone who was not brain dead. And the two people that were in there, I think there was a EKG, somebody was doing EKG and maybe taking blood. They didn't know what happened. They certainly didn't know that Kate and Sam and Josh prayed that prayer, that I would wake up when mom went in there. So uh, many of you were there outside. Actually, many of you were outside the hospital by that time, and they're so appreciative of that. And 
I love you. I just love you. Um, so they put me on a, on a hypothermia, hypothermia protocol, which basically cooled my body down to 93 degrees. And um, so it wasn't too long after that. Let's see the second picture. Where I was there. Um, we could take it down. I don't think my family needs to be looking at that. I'm alive, but there, there's, there's a lot that goes with dealing with this situation, and, that, and my family is still dealing with that. So, um, hypothermia protocol for three days, and then they started to wake me up. So the first miracle was that God woke me up when she went in there. He just woke me up. Uh, the second miracle happened. Um, after they started to kind of bring me out of um, the coma that they put me in. And um, it, was, it was kind of unclear as to whether or not I'd be able to speak, think, talk, walk, work, anything. They didn't know. And um, so, <laughs> so um, Amy spent a lot of time by my side when she could. Uh, they kicked her out at night, which hurt. Even Doris couldn't get her back in in the middle of the night. Doris. <clears throat> but um, over the next couple days, I, I woke up and, and it was clear that I was um, around. I, I couldn't tell time. I... There were just some questions that I couldn't answer at the time of things that I should know. But that might have been the sedative. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was up. And I could talk. I knew who, I knew who my wife was. Wink at her. And um, I could tell her that I love her. And, you know, three days before that, there was questions. There were questions about that, whether or not I'd be, ever do that or even be here. So, um, praise God that He works miracles. He worked a miracle not just in my family, okay, but in this community. This community prayed like I've never seen a community pray before, okay. Well, it turns out I didn't actually see this community pray either, but I know there are pictures. Um, and Kate, uh, Kate led the prayer time. And, um, People here in this community really know how to celebrate with people who, who are celebrating and mourn with those who are mourning. And so um, there are a couple lessons from James 4. And by the way, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, I got back to work, and um, we got back to, to life. Um, but there's, there's some scars from it and some lessons from it. Therefore, that's why lessons from a one-year-old. Um, true humility in James 4 means recognizing that we don't have total control over our life and our death. 
And James isn't saying don't plan, <laughs> you know, don't, it's not sinful or foolish to make a schedule. Um, I had a schedule that week. I'm sure I did. I don't remember it. And, and you know what? It didn't matter at all at that point. And, and having, um, having a plan without recognizing that time, time can be short, it can be a minute. We were at home, my back was hurting, and Amy is a physical therapist. She was working on my back, and I rolled over and said, I think that's better. It stopped. Um, God calls us to a life of dependence on him. The miracle is there. We're going to talk about a couple other miracles, too. But the miracle is there. It can't be ignored as much as you might try to ignore me. <laughs> I'm not the miracle. God is the miracle. He's the miracle maker. He, he, he's the one who did this. Let me be forgotten as long as for who it is that works miracles. Undeniably. Dependence on anything but God is foolish. Anyone, but and dependence on God isn't weakness; it's faith. It's faith, um, and that we can have. You know, I'll go to Second Corinthians one nine first. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Today, as we celebrate our independence. God, God's calling us to be different. Today, I want to celebrate my dependence on God. That's all. I just want to celebrate my dependence on him. And, and that's the greatest freedom of all. That's the greatest freedom we can know is depending on God. It's not weakness. It's faith. He does work miracles. Now, um, I messed my notes up. So, Today I know that my independence, that independence from God is arrogance. Today I know that my dependence on God, that, that if I depend on anything else, anyone else, especially myself, is pretty foolish. Now I don't know why God saved me. I say that I don't know why God saved me, but I, as I was working through my notes, uh, I, think, I think I figured it out. And it's, he's, he shows us in his word. Um, now, there's a, I'm on this sudden cardiac arrest survivors page on Facebook. And um, sometimes I'll comment, sometimes I won't. It's Facebook. Um, and, you, you know, anytime you put yourself there, you're, you're, you're liable to get uh, hammered by somebody for whatever, anything. But I basically said, I can't tell a story without praising God, without giving credit to God. And um, a young lady on there said, you're so arrogant to think that God saved you. He didn't, he, he didn't save my dad. And you know what? I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I accept by God. Um, so <laughs> growing up, I, um, we, I grew up in a small town. Hey, it's story time. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a small town, and... Uh, my mom and dad were very well known in this town, 
and um, I had certain rights and privileges and people treated me a certain way because I was their son. And, it, and it's that way with God. I, I, we don't earn anything. We don't deserve to be treated well. And this, this girl certainly wasn't treating me well. But the first part of my answer for her is, I'm a child of God. Now, God does let his children die, too. But I know that um, I know that nothing, I know that the, the one thing I had at that moment, I, I actually deserved, and that's death. But by his grace and his, his will, I'm, I'm here. Now, um, I remember also, it's part two of the story, not this story, but the one from when I was eight. <laughs> um, my, I was on a, I have a picture at home, I'm not going to show you that one because I don't have it, but... Um, and it's, uh, I was on a baseball team. It was an all-star team. And um, the picture, in the picture, I'm kind of crying a little bit. And my sister's looking at me like, what, what's wrong with him? And <clears throat> what she doesn't know is I just figured out, she might now, she might, um, she doesn't know that, didn't know that I was crying because I figured out that I was on this all-star team because my dad was the coach. And there were no other reasons. <laughs> okay. It's true, and um, so it bothered me when I was that age. It doesn't bother me now because I'm on an all-star team. I get to call God Father, and I, and, I get to be, and I get to call him Father because of him and not because of me, not because I can throw a baseball <laughs> or preach. It's because I get to, um, I was adopted into his, his family. And so the question is, I don't know entirely. But Isaiah 59, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, so I, uh, even recently I met up with a, a guy, and, and I hadn't seen him since last, well, before last August. He's like, hey, Lazarus. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, it was pretty weird, okay, but um, I want to say to him, you know, you know, at least by acknowledging, by calling me Lazarus, he's acknowledging that Lazarus was raised from the dead. By calling me Lazarus, he's recognizing and acknowledging that he knows Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And he, he raised me from the dead. And he's going to do it again, all of us. Um, I was debating as to whether or not to read the entire story of Lazarus because it's time-consuming. Um, but I don't, I'm not up here to take clips from uh, an entire story just to make my point. So I'm gonna, we're going to look at uh, John 11, 1 through 44, quickly. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. I have my answer. It's for God's glory and that God's son could be glorified through it. It's why 
he stayed and waited two more days. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Why did he wait two days? So that Lazarus could be unmistakably, unretrievably dead. That's what I believe. So that he would be glorified. Um, I hate the fact that this happened to me for the sake of my family. But I, I love the fact that I can stand here and talk to you and tell you about it to glorify God. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews then there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. So um, I don't have a commentary on that part. Um, I didn't look at a commentary, but my, my thought on that is Chris Carver's thought. Jesus was saying, I'm here. Let's do it while I'm here. I'm breathing. Let's go. We'll get to that in a minute. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go get him. That's not what it says, but let's go to him. <laughs> let's go get him. Anyway, um, for your sake, I was glad I was not there. Be glad I'm not, I wasn't there. Because um, at that moment, even though Jesus is the great, great physician, Lazarus didn't need to, need to be healed from a sickness. He needed to be raised from the dead so that everyone around, the apostles, his family, everyone there would know that he was dead. Why, why did I have to fail all those neurological tests and for that doctor who would probably love this story. Um, why did she have to go in and tell my family that? So that God would be glorified. Every day since then, and every day I'm still breathing. Today I know that my independence, or my dependence on God is where I want to be. Totally dependent. Um, Jesus understood, I'm messing my notes up, so get ready. Jesus understood that raising a man from being unmistakably dead, disciples and everyone there, evidence that he is the Messiah. He's furnished us that evidence too. So if you're around on that, that day back in July or in the prayer meetings or started coming at that time or you're here now for the first time, Jesus is unmistakably the Messiah. There's no question. Argue with a dead man. How about that? I'll be here uh, during communion on the side. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So much so that when he heard the news, he waited two days. 
he knew that it was more important to raise Lazarus from the dead than to cure his, his sickness that, that killed him. God may let us hit rock bottom. We know that he'll let us suffer, and that's okay. Um, or, or even die, in Lazarus' case, and actually mine too. So he can be glorified in the miracle. And people know him for who he is, for our own sake, so that we may believe. So, um, picking up, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. There had been a bunch, a, a threat against Jesus and the disciples in Judea, and so Thomas is like, let's go. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. See, even she knew that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus knew that too, which is why he waited. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, too. <laughs> How foolish would I be to not believe what he's done for me? That's why on that sudden cardiac arrest page, I prayed for that girl because she didn't get it. And honestly, on that page, I don't know how anybody can be breathing and commenting and telling their story without acknowledging that, that God did it. Doctors played a big role in, in my recovery and I don't want to. I don't want to say that doctors. We don't need doctors. We need doctors because God gives gifts to doctors, just like He gives gifts to us. But God saved my life. God, back. that intensivist didn't. She didn't suddenly make me conscious and or moving and heal my brain. Actually, she kind of gave up because she didn't think there was hope. But my kids knew there was hope. And my wife knew there was hope. So Martha says, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. I didn't see where Jesus was asking for her, did you? Anyway. Side note, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. There's someone who knew who Jesus was. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. I said I was, I'm, I'm grateful for this community that rallied with my family, uh, not just while I was in the hospital, but after I was in the hospital. You know, when you rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, you're doing what Jesus did right here. Someone also told um, this community that I like Coke. <laughs> I came out. I came home from the hospital and I had a garage full of coke. Um, thank you. So the Jews said, "See how he loved him." But some of them said, "Could not he, who opened the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying?" People keep saying that, but Jesus had a plan. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Isn't that what he's telling us? Isn't that... Isn't that reason enough for me to be here? <laughs> it's the best reason ever. It wasn't to do architecture, I promise you. Um, it's to say and give glory to God, to worship him, to worship him on this platform, to worship him there, whatever we do here. We just worship. He has said, if we believe, we will see the glory of God. And we see it. We see it every day. So they took away the stone and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. There it is again. When he, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I got to leave that hospital. I came to that hospital in an ambulance, being um, dead. They wouldn't let me walk out, but I wanted to. But uh, there's a lessons from this. Um, Number one, Jesus has the power over death. He just does. The doctor had to acknowledge that I was brain dead and that there was no hope so that God could be glorified. The stench of death in that tomb did not phase Jesus. He, wasn't, he was unfazed by it. 
even though they said, look, he's, he's been in there for a while. Um, do you ever feel like the stench of sin on you is just too much for Jesus to handle? That he's going to be phased by, by what you've done or what you thought or what, or what anything, sin. He's not phased by it. It doesn't mean it's not bad. It means that he can handle it. So no, there's no, there's no stench of sin, even death. And if you want to look at it, like I, I had a friend once who said, look, um, I've just gone too far. There's no going back now. God, there's no way God's going to forgive me for this. And, and I look at that now and I think, you know, is there any depth deeper than death? And we, we know because we know, because we know, it's over here, that God can reach his hand down and raise a dead man. There's nothing deeper than that. So when Jesus told Lazarus to come out of the tomb, uh, would we be like, if we were Lazarus, we'd say, eh, no thanks, I'm, I'm dead, I'm pretty stinky, um, I'm, I'm just too far gone. I'm just going to stay in here. I'm, I'm, it's, it's too late for me. Um, of course not. Uh, if he did say that out loud, he'd be like, well, I'm breathing. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> you're breathing. Um, <laughs> there's, no, uh, there's no going back. For, for me, for my family, there's no, there's no doubt. And there's no doubt that, that Jesus, the one who raises us from the dead, can, that there's no doubt that he can't handle or can handle. I'm going to say it wrong, so just you know what I mean. There's no doubt that he can't handle it. There's just no doubt. To me, it's uncontestable, just like Lazarus' death. And mine. John 5, 1 through 18. Amy read this. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, they're, they're in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool where, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, replied, I, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone, get, gets, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And so that was the third title of this, of this the bo third bottom line is get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Many times since July of last year, I will tell somebody my story, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> um, like a really big plan for you, okay? And even people who maybe don't believe in God, they're like, whoa, somebody's got a big plan for you, okay? And I almost always give them the same answer. Are you breathing? And, of course, they are. Um, you don't have to 
be breathing and stop breathing and then start breathing again to recognize the fact that you're here and breathing for a purpose. If, if you're breathing, if you're breathing and you haven't died and come back, you've had your mat in your hand the whole time. Get up. Pick it up. Take advantage of those breaths that God has given you. Take advantage of those heartbeats that God has given you. Every one of them is a gift from God. Don't schedule a meeting with Jesus for next week or in the next town or anything like that. Get on your knees and talk to him right now. He's the one that did this. He's the one that did this. He's the one that did this. Use the tools and the time God has given you to love God and love people. Use the breath God has given you to show people who he is. I promise you, from my own experience and the experience of my family, you don't know, you just don't know when that last one's going to come. And by then, it's too late. Unless, unless, by the grace of God, somehow you get to walk away. Romans 12, 6 through 8. We all have gifts. They differ according to the grace. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then use it according to the faith you have. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. Is it encouraging others? Then encourage them. Is it giving to others? Then give freely. Is it being a leader? Then work hard at it. Is it showing mercy? Then do it cheerfully. If you live your life following God, trusting Jesus, and doing what he created you to do, the timing of that last breath isn't going to matter so much to you. It'll matter to the ones around you more than you'll ever know. But it won't, it, it won't matter that much to you because you will have been you're prepared. In fact, I pray that when the time comes for me to die, round two, I die loving him and loving people. All my love on the table. All of it. No unanswered questions about my, my devotion and my love for you and you and you and you. No questions. No misunderstanding about my feelings towards caring for the poor. Loving my neighbor. Loving this church. Let there be no doubt when the time comes that I died loving God and loving people. I had a friend who, I remember talking to him on the phone a long time ago. He, and he said, you know, I, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe. And maybe I'll believe on my deathbed. I was like, why wait? Why wait? If, if, if there's someone here or online or in the future watching this that is waiting, ask yourself why. What's better than being dependent on God? There is no independence from any nation, anything that is better than being dependent on God. That's, that's the true freedom, real freedom. Let there be no doubt. Um, but my friend, he said, ah, I can wait. And you know that I do believe that deathbed confessions and deathbed 
crying out to God. I call that a buzzer beater. <laughs> and God, too. But why not live a life that honors him and serves him? Why not recognize the fact that, that the God that we know, that we talk to here and at home, and the God that we worship and we pray to, he is the one that saved my life. He saved yours, too. Mine was just really obvious. You know, you, I've heard it said multiple times, uh, leave it all on the field. You know, give it your all. Nobody ever says, leave it all on the couch. <laughs> leave it all at the office. Leave it all at the voting booth or leave it all on Facebook. You're going to leave it all. You don't know when, and it's arrogant to know when. It's arrogant to live a life that doesn't acknowledge that the one that we depend on does know when, that God is the God over life and death. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Wisdom. I, I probably need a little extra time because I'm not that wise. <laughs> but that's not why. Let's just glorify God in it. Psalm 146, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live, whether it's five minutes from now or 20 minutes from putting in a blessing box or 40 years from now. I don't know when it's going to be, but I, I'm just loving God and loving people with no unanswered questions about my love for my family and those around me. Galatians 5.13, it's actually the verse of the day. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So to that, I say, pick up your mat and walk. Okay? Um, I'm going to be over there. I was kind of joking about it before, <laughs> but I actually am going to be over there, and I want to pray with you. And Amy, if you would be there with me to pray, to pray for you if you want prayer. If you need to know, um, if you need to see what God can do, just open your eyes. Open your ears. It's, we are blessed as a congregation to not have reason to doubt. We're blessed, even though we've all lost people. I talk about my dad. I, I prayed that my dad would, would live, and he didn't a long time ago. He didn't. But don't let loss be a reason to not trust God because we're all going to lose someone, someone and it's going to be someone special, people that we love, and we prayed earnestly. I've, I've done that. But, but God, we know his ways are higher than ours. We know, okay? And if we think that we're, we're just going to, we're going to follow him uh, once we understand 
the whys and the wherefore, therefores, everything, if we're just going to wait till we understand the reasons why I'm here and somebody else isn't, we're going to be waiting a long time. And we're, we will find out eventually. But by the time we get a, an opportunity to ask, we're not going to care because we're going to be standing before God. And honestly, he, dependence on him will free you up a lot more than anything else. <laughs> so um, take up your mat and walk. You carried it in here. Carried it out. Carry it out. Carry it out. Live the life that honors him. Die a death that glorifies him. He's the God over life and death. So I'm going to pray. And then um, we'll have the guys come up. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for the love that you show us every day. Thank you for the healing that we, we have and the healing that we still need. Thank you that we can cry out to you, our God, our Father, and know that you have the power over life, of our lives. And Lord, as we celebrate our independence from man, let's celebrate, help us to celebrate our dependence on you while many have given their lives for, for our freedom, you gave your life for our ultimate freedom. You gave your life, Jesus, for our ultimate freedom. Help us to love you more. Help us to know you more. Help us to follow you more. Help us if we have doubts. Help us to open our eyes and see what you want to show us. Help us to open our ears and hear your voice. We know it's probably not going to be as loud as the stuff around us. Give us discernment. Give us, give us wisdom. Give us prudence. As we chase after you, help us to recognize that you are always here, that you never leave us or forsake us. Give that all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.